0: Now, who's excited for 2019? (laughs) That's not loud enough. If you're excited for 2019, I want to hear the loudest shout you can ever give me. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. (laughs) And I believe the reason why you're... um, The reason, uh, thank you for that one as well, (laughs) the reason why you're, uh, I'd like to believe anyway, that the reason why you're happy and excited for this year is primarily because of the expectations that you have for this year, amen? Um, You know, I believe that at at the start of this year, you've outlined some visions, some goals, some plans, some aims, aspirations, some of you wrote it down, some of you stored it in your mind mentally, but you are trusting God that by the end of this year, all those plans and visions will be established in your life. Amen? Is that, is that what, you, what you said to yourself? Is that, the, is that the prayers you prayed? Lovely stuff. So, I just, I just want to say something quickly before, um, you know, I explicate on the word. One thing that we must realize and understand is that in all our um, excitement for for the year and what we want to establish in our lives, or what we want God to do in our lives, essentially, it is important to make sure that we're placing God at the center of, of it all. Amen? The Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord, and he shall establish them. In another part of scripture, it says, commit your plans to the Lord. So I just want you to understand tonight, and it will relate to the word I'm about to give now, that without you committing your plans to the Lord, essentially all the visions and aims that you've, you know, written down or thought in your mind or conceived in your mind, if it doesn't come to pass, then you shouldn't blame anyone, if that makes sense. I just want us to understand that God forms a very integral part of our lives as Christians. And that in fact, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make any step without involving God. The moment you take God out of the picture, you become a mere man. And trust me, from now to the end of December, if you bank on the insufficiency of your humanity, you will utterly fall. Amen. That's just the reality. you know sorry me just to give you a heads up i don't have to sugarcoat things i try i try i don't have to sugarcoat things but if tonight i end up somehow you know i do apologize in advance but i remember once upon a time not too long ago the lord said to me do not compromise the gospel and so i know not how to compromise the gospel so i'll try my best to you know add some sweetness here and there but um You see, just to explain what I I just said there, let's all turn to Acts chapter 1 um, before we actually get into the Word. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And this is a moment in time where Jesus Christ was being taken up to heaven. So he was about to ascend to heaven and... uh, The the apostles had gathered together. Amen? So reading from verse 6, it says, When the apostles met together with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? Jesus said to them, The times and occasions are set by my father's own authority, and it is not for you to know when they will be. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, You will be filled with power and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9 says, after saying this, he was taken up to heaven as they watched him and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10, they still had their eyes fixed on the sky as he went away. When two men dressed in white suddenly stood beside them and said, Galileans, why are you standing there looking up at the sky? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Amen? Amen? Oh, guys, I need your response tonight. It's a bit cold in here, so I need to also feel warm up here. Amen? Amen? Lovely stuff. Now, I don't really want to, you know, break every every single bit of that verse to us. All I just want to focus on is verse uh, 11. When the angels appeared to them and, 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 and referred to the apostles as Galileans. In other words, Versions it calls them men of galilee now just a couple seconds ago the bible referred to those men as the apostles just a couple minutes ago this was the reference that was given to these men they were referred to as the apostles they were they were they were recognized scripture recognizes the role they played as apostles And in the moment Jesus Christ leaves sight, they're referred to as Galileans, men of Galilee. Is anyone catching on to what I'm trying to get at here at all? Listen, when God is not in the scene, the moment you take God out of the picture, you become a mere mortal. When God is not in your, your picture frame, you, you strip yourself of the authority, the, 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 the recognition. You, you become a mere man, devoid of power. You become someone who you just blend in amongst the rest. But when Jesus is, 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 is in the scene, when Jesus Christ is, is part and parcel of your life, when you keep him at the center of everything that you do, you, you hold that position that you've always had. These apostles, they, these are not just, it was the angels that referred to them in that way, not some, some relatives The angels came and referred to them as men of Galilee. Just a couple seconds ago, they were called apostles. So guys, I just want to encourage all of us to never ever make a step, any move in this life without keeping God at the very center. He is the center of everything we do. Amen? Amen. Um, now tonight, I'm speaking on the person of Jesus Christ. That's why I had to, you know, give you a a preamble. But when Wally, Pastor Wally told me that he was going away, and he he asked me to, to give the word, remember I was praying and I was praying and I asked God. What would you want me to come and speak to your people? And then God asked me a question back. He said to me, If I said or asked you to preach your last ever message, your very last message, what would you really speak about? And I had to think hard, because there's, there's a lot of things that I want to talk about. There's a lot. There's a lot. So I had to think hard about that one. But then later on, I came to realize and understand that, you know what? Every word that we hear every Sunday, every manifestation of the power and presence of God that we see, seeing people get saved here and there, Witnessing God moving in the lives of our family, our friends, everything, everything, from top to bottom, everything. It all points in one direction. Amen? Everything points in one direction. And the Holy Spirit began to minister unto me and made me really come to understand that Jesus Christ, this thing we do here, it's all about Jesus, Amen. It's not about just gathering here every Sunday just to see the lovely faces of our friends and our mates. It's to really have a personal relationship encounter with Jesus Christ. One time, God led me to a scripture, John five thirty nine. And believe you me, I was, I was shaken to my core when I read the scripture for the first time. The Bible says, you read the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Or that you will have eternal life. That sentence alone rattled me. Because I thought, Lord, this is the very reason why I pick up my Bible. Says you read the scriptures because you think in them you will have eternal life, and yet these are the words that testify of me. And I had to step back and think to myself: So you mean to say that rather than looking in the scripture as a daily dosage for whatever I'm going through, and trying to use scripture as an opium to medicate my Temporary sorrow or affliction. You mean to say. That when I. Look for you. All these things. As in I will find all of these things. All in one. Is that what you're trying to tell me. The Holy Spirit said to me yes. Jesus is the reason for everything. You know when we're celebrating Christmas. We have a saying. Jesus is the reason for, for the season or something like that. And it applies to everything we do as Christians. He is the reason. Amen. Now, like I said, I'm speaking on Jesus Christ. And by classification, some people label him as a prophet. By classification, some people think or say that Jesus Christ was one of the people that uh, came to to establish enlightenment within the world. But this is not the Jesus that we serve. Amen? We serve a very different Jesus. And tonight is all about finding out who this Jesus is. Who is this Jesus Christ? It's very easy to, and, I, and we'll get there very soon. Today, I heard uh, one of my pastors give us a, sim- well, a similar message. But he said something that resonated with me. And he said, the reason why um, people don't have the same out, uh, results when they try to implement the scriptures in the same way that maybe a, a, a mighty man of God may have done in the past, It's all because of their intimacy with God. Amen? So he was speaking about it more so from being intimate with God. And through that intimacy comes the results. And as he was speaking, I thought back to a situation where, you know, a lovely friend of mine came to me one day and said to me (laughs) he said bro I'm ready I'm ready I said what do you mean he said bro I'm ready I'm ready I want what you have I want it I I need it I need what you have I just I'm ready to learn I'm ready to learn and then as much as I wanted to tell him all that I've ever been taught by the Holy Spirit and just just kind of just pour it all out to him. There was a a brief moment where I just reflected on the statement he made. And I had to think to myself that I really do hope this is not how Christianity is being portrayed. Because it's it's a is a dangerous (laughs) mentality to have. Amen? You see, the things of God are such that you can't replicate what someone else does without going through that process that they went through and more amen you know i used to think this way myself mind you i used to see some mighty men of god and say to myself i want to be like that man of god and i had to get stopped in my tracks one day by god himself and he said to me you are not aware of the sacrifices that those people have made for them to be able to yield such results you know, we see, we see the, the manifestation of God's power and presence and everything through these vessels. And we want that. That's what the sons of Skiva wanted. The apostles, the disciples of Jesus Christ themselves, they went out one time and struggled to cast out a demon. They struggled. We're talking people that walked with God day and night. that walked with God day and night every single day they saw the face of of God they had a, a, a one on one session with him on a daily basis and they struggled to cast out a demon the question is how what happened, what went wrong what did they not understand and the answer is very simple They misunderstood the principles, the the protocols that one must go through in order to get to that that place. Amen. That's why Jesus Christ opened up his mouth and said to him, this kind, this kind, it goes out not by anything other than fasting and prayer. Before he had said that, the, the disciples knew nothing about fasting. They had no clue, but they walked with him day and night. And Jesus was, was was a man of prayer and fasting. So I just want us to understand that. You know, this relationship with God, it depends on your intimacy with him. And, I, I, and another dimension of something I would just like to touch on briefly tonight. Amen? Amen? Everyone still awake? If you're awake, give me, give me a wave. Okay, lovely stuff. Now let's all turn to um, Matthew or John chapter 4 verse 4. John 4 verse 4. Now I might not even be able to finish this message tonight, but I pray that what God wants you to hear, you will hear it before you leave this place. John chapter 4. Um before we read this, is it's needful for us to know. You see, Jesus Christ came from a different kingdom. How many of us are aware of that? Came from a completely different kingdom. If you're aware, just you know, today I'll get your whole body moving, trust me. Because it's, it's cold. My hands are freezing. So if you're aware that Jesus Christ came from a very different kingdom, can you wave from side to side? Yes. Some people are not waving. I'm cold too, you know. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because because of... um. How different he, you know, the he he was he was the Word made flesh. So he became like us, and that's true. But he still had his divine nature, which meant that the revelations and the things of his kingdom, which he wanted to um, show us or reveal to us. It it wasn't always easy for him to speak in a way that we would understand. Amen? Hence why, hence why, oftentimes, you know, he would speak and he would speak in parables. So he would now speak in a way that the people gathered around him would have an opportunity to understand what he's talking about. But what, I'm, what I just want to say is that because of that very reason, Jesus Christ had to be a very different type of teacher. And the teacher, yes, he was. Because some refer to him as a rabbi. He was a teacher. He, he was one of, you know, he knew the Torah. He knew everything. He was a teacher. But he was a different type of teacher. And John 4, verse 4, gives us an idea of what he did. So, I'll just quickly read. Um, it says, the, the, let me start from, from verse 5. In Samaria, he came to a town named Sychar, which was not far from the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw some water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. And by this time his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The woman answered, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. So how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered, if only you knew what God gives and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you life-given water. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you haven't got a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get that life-given water? It was our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. He and his sons and his flock all drank from it. You don't claim to be greater than Jacob, do you? Jesus answered, all those who drink this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring which will provide him with life-giving water and give him eternal life. Sir, the woman said, give me that water. Then I will never be thirsty again. Nor will I have to come here to draw water. Verse 16. Go and call your husband, Jesus told her, and come back. I haven't got a husband, she answered. Jesus replied, you are right when you say you haven't got a husband. You have been married to five men, and the man you live with now is not really your husband. You have told me the truth. Verse 19, I see you are a prophet, sir, the woman said. My Samaritan ancestors worshipped God on this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we should worship God. Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, the time will come when people will not worship the Father, either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not really know whom you worship. But we Jews know whom we worship, because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. Amen. Amen. Guys, everyone is everyone called or amen. Lovely. So, like I said, Jesus was a very peculiar type of teacher and um he will he, he he did he struggled to bear testament to the things of of heaven. And as a result, it required him to be a very different type of teacher. Now, here we have a situation where in his attempt to explicate on this idea of life-giving water and gaining access to eternal life. He comes to a location where he meets a Samaritan woman and he uses his environment, the environment that he was in, to help describe or, 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 or bestow the revelation that he wanted to bestow upon that woman, so first of all, he sits by the well and then um he he asks the woman whether she she has um whether he she can give him a drink, and then she goes into the 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 ins and outs of her being a Samaritan and him being a Jew and everything you see but then Jesus Christ moves on very swiftly to um He just literally just goes beyond the woman's understanding. So the woman started off in the natural. She was was asking questions in the natural. But Jesus came there with the intention of showing her something deeper than that. Amen? Jesus Christ wanted to, to let her see something deeper. But before he could get there, he had to start off where the woman started off. So this was, this is a situation where now the woman comes to know and understand that he is a prophet, but before she got to that point, it required Jesus Christ to really go about that peculiar type of teaching. And I say this because I want us to, the, 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 the crux of this actual message It's necessary for us to understand this type of teaching that Jesus Christ um, constantly demonstrated. This was his way of teaching. Amen. Now, when we go to Matthew, let's all turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, from verse 13. So I want you to put at the back of your head what I just said with regards to the woman at the well and that type of teaching, okay? Just put that at the back of your mind. Matthew 16, verse 13, the Bible says, Jesus went to the territory near the town of Caesarea Philippi, where he asked his disciples... Who do you people say the Son of Man is? Some say John the Baptist, they answered. Others say Elijah, while others say Jeremiah or some other prophet. What about you, he asked them. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus Christ replies and he says, good for you, Simon, son of John, for this truth did not come to you from any human being, but it was given to you directly by my father in heaven. And so I tell you, Peter, you are a rock and on this rock foundation, I will build my church and not even death will ever be able to overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in, in heaven. And what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then Jesus ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Amen. Now, taking into consideration what I said up with regards to John uh, 4, here we have a situation where in order to Reveal something to the disciples. Jesus takes the disciples to a very far location. They literally traveled across Jerusalem. Into a town where in that particular moment in time. A lot of construction work was being done. By the governor at that moment in time. A lot of construction work. And he deliberately takes them to this location. And then he asks. His disciples, who do you say I am? It's needful for us to know and understand that Jesus Christ very much cares about who we think he is. Maybe you've never thought about that before. But God is very much interested in your perspective of him. You imagine God asking such a question. Who do you say I am? And then some, some replied, that says, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and a, a whole lot of answers. But in all of these answers, let's bear in mind, Jesus Christ never said, you're correct, or that you're wrong. He never opened his mouth and said, you're correct or that you're wrong. And then, He asked the question again. Fair enough, this is what other people say I am. But who do you say I am? Personal question. I want you to turn to your neighbor next to you and ask them, Who do you say he is? I want you to really turn to the other person next to you and say, Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? amen and um, as as he asked that question peter the apostle sees the moment and he responds he responded now when you read other versions it says in his response he says thou art the christ the son of god in this version it says you are the messiah the son of the living god And then Jesus Christ, you see, once again, he never said, you're correct. He never said, this is the right answer. Rather than doing so, he began to explain what caused Peter to arrive at the answer. He began to explain the mechanism behind Peter's answer. He opens his mouth and he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my Father in heaven, amen? And that is the very center of where we're going tonight. Flesh and blood can never reveal to you who Jesus Christ is. A historical account of the life of Jesus Christ can never show you who he is. Just reading about Jesus Christ in the pages of the Bible even that can never show you who the true Jesus is unless the father himself grants you a revelation and shows you who he actually is when Jesus came he says no one knows me except the father no one can get to the father except through me you know is a lot of the father talk. And he makes it very clear that only the father knows Him. Now one must understand that this uh, walk with God is contingent upon your revelation of him. If you have no revelation of Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ, like I said, by classification, some label him as a prophet. Is that the Jesus you see when you read your Bible? What Jesus do you see when you read the Bible? Is it the Jesus that just heals you in times of affliction? Is it the Jesus that you run to every time you're in trouble? Only when, I should say. What Jesus do you locate? When you flip those pages of the Bible, Peter sees the moment by reason of a revelation that was bestowed upon him by God the Father himself and he says, Thou art the Christ. You are the Son of God. In that revelation, he exposed the dual personality of Jesus Christ. But today I want to focus on Jesus as the Son of God. What is your revelation of Christ? What is your, Ask your neighbor, what, what is your revelation of him? Ask the, the other neighbor next to you, ask them, what is your revelation of Jesus? So what I'm trying to say is very, is very simple. It is not possible to know Jesus Christ outside revelation. I I, I, I want to simplify this in a way that we can all understand. It is impossible to know the true Jesus. I'm talking about the true Jesus Christ. Tonight Guys, you can you can know the true Jesus Christ, Amen. You see what what the enemy is doing these days is uh, instilling duplicates and and and, and counterfeit uh, um, per perceptions or I guess replicas of Jesus Christ, and it is completely is causing the church to now lack substance. So now wherever you go, every service, we sing songs and we have his name in melodies. We say a whole bunch of things and we add in Jesus' name. Amen. As a form of punctuation. We'll say a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of things. This week, your testimony is coming. Oh, God is going to do something new in your life. In Jesus' name. As a form of a full stop. And yet, some of these people, if you really assess them critically, you'll come to know that they have no revelation of who the true Jesus Christ is. So what is your revelation of him? You can never know the true Jesus outside revelation. It is merely impossible. Listen, the disciples were with him for three and a half years. If you want a perfect example of what I'm trying to say. The disciples were with him for three and a half years. And they still had no clue who he really was. It wasn't until that moment where Peter himself. Open up his mouth and said, Thou art the Christ, and even then, even then they walked with him day and night, and they never really knew his true identity and i I, I just want to use my my personal experience as an example i 'm even being mindful of time, um, but you see I, I used to be um I've lived with my dad for, well, some some number of years. And my dad is a Catholic. And, you see, I have nothing against any denominations or anything like that. This is just a personal testimony. And I've done everything in a Catholic church. I started off as a small altar server, you know, carrying the poles and everything. Doing the whole incensing and all that stuff. That's how I started off. And by reason of my dedication to that service, whilst uh, whilst I was still in year 11 or so, I was granted a position to become the MC of my church. Year 11 or year 10, very young. I was extremely young at that time. So now I was given the, the position to even tell my priest what to do I could tell him this is wrong no this, no wait let's do this later on and everything I could tell him that's, that's the, the, the role that I was playing and I really thought that I, I knew God sometimes I would rush from school just to come to the Friday services sometimes I would serve certain masses on my own and I thought I was I was really going for it not until i came to uni and i had a personal encounter with with jesus christ and it transformed my whole my whole relationship with him it wasn't until i came to uni that upon that experience i had a revelation of who he is and that's just my personal testimony to show you that it is very possible to thing that we know God but outside of revelation and it was upon that revelation that Jesus Christ said I will build my church upon that understanding it was an understanding it was a, a revealed knowledge Paul speaks about something in one of his epistles and then in the long run, it says that you may know him. That word know, when you really break it down, is, it, it speaks of a revealed knowledge, a pygnosis, so, A knowledge you can't acquire by just reading books. A knowledge you can't acquire by just going to the library. This is a knowledge that must be revealed. And this is the Jesus Christ, or this is the, the manner in which we come to discover the true Jesus Christ. Amen? If you're still with me, give me a wave. Anyone still with me? Now, because of time, I just want to touch on something really quickly. Um, You see, if, if the revelation that Peter received remained in the privacy or the privacy of his spirit, because revelation is personal, Amen? Revelation comes by reason of the Holy Spirit ministering unto your spirit. It's a personal thing. But here when Jesus Christ opened up his mouth and said upon this rock that revelation no longer becomes personal. Because the word this makes us understand that he was referred to something that was within reach, something that we could all relate to. Are you still with me, guys? He was referring to a knowledge that was no longer in the privacy of Peter's spirit, but a knowledge that was now so evident that upon that revealed knowledge, he would build his church. Amen? Now, Why am I talking about all of this? I want us to understand that if it wasn't for that revelation, that revealed knowledge, because he later on comes and says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Upon that revealed knowledge. You might ask yourself, why does my Christian life stagnate? Oftentimes, sometimes I feel like I'm on fire. Sometimes I feel, you know, feel like the fire has gone down and things like that. You go through certain situations in life and you feel like your whole world is just capitulating. And you have, you literally, you've searched to and fro and you've, you haven't received any answers. But upon that revealed knowledge, I can assure you That whatever circumstance of life, or whatever manner of tribulation the enemy tries to throw at you, it will never prevail against you. Amen? So guys, we need to know him. We need to have a revelation of the true Jesus Christ. A personal encounter, a personal testimony. What is your testimony? Peter had one. He raised up his voice and said, Thou art the Christ. What is your revelation of Jesus Christ? And this is essentially what Jesus was referring to, or partly so, in the parable of the sow and, and, and the seeds. When you are devoid of revelation of him, you, you now get to a position in life where you bank on the insufficiencies of your humanity. And the moment you do that, life will be uh, a very lonely and turbulent walk for you. If you go through this life banking on your, the insufficiencies of your humanity, guys, I just want to let you know or advise you to not even get to that position. You will toil in vain. You'll be walking around trying to seek solutions here and there. And you see, we get to a point where we, we now tap into our human wisdom to resolve situations. And then we find ourselves getting into, as in the situation just gets worse. But you thought you were wise. You thought your brain was dazzling. You thought you were the the smartest person in your class or something. And yet, the solution that you tried to come up with only made the situation worse. unless you you hold steadfast to a revelation of him, and that you make him the center of everything that you do, and you say to him, Lord, I've tried, I've tried. My strength, oh, trust me, I've tried. Lord, you have to be humble about these things as well. Let not pride get in the way. You know, go before God, break down before him and say, God, I've tried. Like, my strength, I've tried. I thought I was wise. I thought I, 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 I would be able to resolve this situation. I've tried to put this here and there, but things are only getting worse. Lord, why is that the case? And then, when you are still enough in his presence, When you remain in that secret place and you persistently ask these questions, he will let you know that without him and without him leading you, without him being the center of everything, this is exactly what will happen. Amen? So... Don't be like those seeds that fell on rocky soil or fell by the wayside. You know, the Bible says they had no roots. And so when the sun came up and scorched them, they withered away. The lack of roots is symbolic of the lack of revelation. When you are devoid of a consistent revelation of Jesus Christ, like I said you will find yourself banking on the insufficiency of your humanity and every time you do so you will feel how powerless you are. I speak from a personal perspective in those situations like I'll put myself there first I've tried my own strength. I thought I was wise. I've been there. My mind, I thought, you know. I've tried. But you get to a point in life where... Where, when, when, when you... You tap into another revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You let go of this human wisdom that you were holding on to so dearly. It becomes useless you begin to function from a a divine wisdom Mm. so those seeds that fell by the on the rocky ground and by the wayside they were devoid of revelation hence why when the sun came up it scorched everything that um, it just scorched them and they withered away They had no root in themselves. They had no revelation. They had no depth in them. Nothing was being born in in their spirit. Nothing was being born in their spirit. Everything that they would do would be a replication of what someone else did. Listen. This walk with God, I, I, I urge everyone, And I speak from here because I love you all, you know. This walk with God, guys, let us not idolize or want to be like someone else. Amen? Let us not get to that place where we want to. be like that person or whatever the sayings are, but let just refrain from doing so and have a desire and intention to pursue God for yourself that he may reveal himself to you, amen I once wanted to be like some people, trust me I'd sit there and I'd idolize some great, great men of God some of whom are around me even today in my personal life I wanted to be like them until God himself gave me a tangible revelation of who he really is and I began to chase him myself and ever since then my relationship with God It's a treasure I hold dearly. I would never trade that for anything else. I wake up in the morning just, sometimes I just sit in my bedroom, just in his presence. His presence is is enough for me. You, You should want to get to that position where God is just everything. And that you're no longer idolizing that person. Or those people that you you held up here. But that you want to go and pursue God for yourself. Amen. So to wrap up. I just want to. Um. just reiterate a point I just made see Jesus Christ is the fullness of God when you read Hebrews chapter 1 the Bible makes it very clear that he is the essence of God amen He, he is the full embodiment of God So, in order for you to want a relationship with with God, it requires you to know him. In fact, we had no true and tangible understanding of the personality and character of God himself until Jesus Christ showed up in the scene. And that's what Hebrews makes us understand. That until Jesus Jesus Christ showed up on the scene, we really had no understanding of what God was really like. So it is paramount that we 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 study His life in the Scriptures and through our personal walk with Him to get to know Him. Get to know Him you must you must desire to get to know him another time i'll speak about the holy spirit but today is about the person of jesus christ because he is he is the center of everything that we do amen it's your revelation of him that is responsible for your level of him You will never understand the eternal purposes of God until you have a revelation. So that links back to what I was saying about don't idolize someone's walk with God. That person's level of God is as a result of his or her revelation of him. So you should aspire to have your own revelation of him. Amen.